0: Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and this is episode number one. Today, we'll be talking a little bit about those retirement calculators. Okay. Really, the genesis of this discussion today is going to be around a conversation I recently had with someone who had reached out to me and asked, you know, do I have enough? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Do I have enough saved based upon my age? When do you think I can retire? And a lot of times what we do is we take inputs like that, and it's it's a, a broad process where you're running the numbers and running the calculations, but you're trying to figure out uh, basically some answers for individuals. And so I thought it would be helpful to just go through some of the inputs, some of the assumptions, and talk uh, really broadly about some things that maybe you've thought of and just need some clarification on and other things perhaps that you haven't thought of. And When we think about, you know, where you are as an investor and what you're trying to to get to, where you want to go, it's really a a function of several inputs. And some of these things are going to be controllable, some less so. uh, But really, it's about understanding where you are in the various stages of your saving and investing life. And so really, you think about there's an accumulation phase. That's where you're saving, you're contributing to to accounts. You're trying to build an asset base. Um, There's also the distribution phase. And that's where you're taking money out in retirement to supplement income, so accumulation and distribution. Uh, There's also this phase, and I like to call it the, the base maximization phase in the middle. And that's really in between. And that's that last push. Let's call it that last 10 to 15 years to retirement where you're still working, you're still able to contribute, you're in probably your peak earning years, but you also need to get a good return on the investments to help surge those balances forward. And so, you know, look, it's natural to say, am I where I need to be? Uh, do I have enough stave? Do I have enough? When can I retire? All of these things are important. And so I thought it'd be helpful to just go through a couple aspects of this. Look, I mean, when, when you're looking at And you've probably stumbled upon and and searched online, can I retire by X amount of date? And you pull up this nice nifty online tool or calculator and you're putting in your age and you're putting in your income and you're trying to do all these assumptions and figure out exactly when can I retire? Do I have enough? (laughs) Will my money last until uh, this arbitrary date that I picked that I think I'm going to live to? Will my money last or will... Will it sort of get uh, get spent before then? And so the things that matter uh, to the calculation, it, well, it's really a couple of things. First, it's how much are you able to contribute? Inflation, the return on your investments. In other words, what type of return are you getting on the investments that you have? Uh, what's the annualized return? Uh, the sequence of returns matter. What is the sequence of when you earn X versus when you earn Y? Are there any big drawdowns that are in there? Certainly 2008 taught a lot of investors that there are periods where you can have severe drawdowns in the market, and you know that can be damaging to a portfolio. Uh, we're not talking necessarily about investment strategy. That's a, a different discussion, but something to uh, take into account. Uh, Social Security and pensions. now. Will there be Social Security? Uh, A lot of people are skeptical, especially those on the younger side. Uh, But certainly taxes, those things all matter. Withdrawals and expenses. How much are you going to need in retirement? How many years do you have in retirement? And then your life expectancy. It's kind of interesting when we think about, you know, various things that you're sort of looking at and you're trying to figure out, okay, I need to pick somewhat of an arbitrary date in retirement. And I say arbitrary because let's say you're 10 or 15 years out, you probably have an aspirational goal of saying I want to be retired by this this age or this date. But when you put assumptions into a calculator, you really have to pick a retirement date. Okay, well that's the closer you are, there's a little bit more certainty. Uh, certainly, when you can retire, will have. Uh, you know, really that's that's a little more of a question that can be answered by how much you have. But the other thing is you've got to sort of pick this arbitrary date of uh, when you're going to live to. So when you want to retire, when you think you'll die. And by the way, there's good news on life expectancy in the United States. The good news is people are living longer, whether that be due to advances in medicine or other reasons, uh, quality of life. But Uh, While there's good news you're living longer, the bad news is that many folks are going to have to have their assets last much longer post-retirement, meaning you're going to have to draw down income for more years uh, based upon raising life expectations. And so those are things to, to keep in mind. So look, everyone has probably used one of these. You pull it up and it's going to ask you questions and things like your current age your expected retirement age, right? When do you want to retire and your life expectancy? And so maybe you're 50 years old right now and you want to retire in 15 years. And you say, look, I'll, I'll put down, I think um, I'm going to live till 85 and I've got to put in my current assets. And current assets, normally uh, what they're looking at is investment assets, things that are liquid. Uh, a house is a little bit different. Um, your old baseball card collection, well, it might have some value. Uh, it's less liquid, meaning it's it's harder to uh, to find a buyer for that. But generally, you've got to put down what your current investment balances are, and then you've also got to put down. So okay, so you have your your main components: your age, your expected retirement date, and then your life expectancy. You've got to put down what you have now. Uh, maybe we'll do a separate episode on how to construct your personal net worth sort of taking inventory of all your assets and your liabilities. Maybe we'll do that in a future episode. But then the other things you have to do is you've got to set aside and say, okay, here's my current salary. Uh, if you're married, it's you know, your salary and your spouse's salary. But what's the total salary? And then what's the total percent that you're actually able to, to allocate to, to savings, also called a, uh, an annual percent contribution? Now, if you're if you're working in a large company and you've got a 401k and you have a, a contribution percent, you've got a match. Uh, that's something that's fairly easy to figure out. Uh, for small business owners or entrepreneurs whose income fluctuates, and they maybe don't have that uh, that sort of quote unquote forced savings uh, that a company's 401k plan does, it can be a little bit more erratic as to when you are actually contributing. But you got to figure out what it is that you're able to, to contribute. And then you've also got to come up with a pre-retirement uh, annualized rate of return. In other words, uh, you know, you've got to say, okay, am I going to earn 7% a year? Uh, and there's, there, I'll talk a little bit about uh, really how that works. You know, That's really more of a straight line that's assuming you're going to earn 7% every year or 6% or whatever it is you put in. Uh, but you also have to do a post-retirement return on investment or annualized percent return. And so some people might pick a higher one for pre-retirement and a lower one for post-retirement. But you've also got to figure out inflation, inflation. How much are things going to go up every year? And then, of course, you, you try and estimate, uh, if you get Social Security, what is it that you can expect on an annual basis? And then you can kind of try and figure that uh, in a monthly amount. You also got to pick what age you'll start earning Social Security generally. And if you've ever gotten one of those paper statements, uh, a lot of people have to go online now and they look at the Social Security site and you try and get some estimates as far as if you start drawing at 62 or 67 or or 70, there's different amounts. Uh, But you've got to try and figure out what you might get uh, in a monthly payment uh, and you can annualize that. So, a couple things. Um, one of the things that is really important, I mean, all of these things matter with regard to trying to figure out how much you'll have at retirement. Remember, you're picking that arbitrary age. I want to retire at this age. And then, will the assets continue to be able to be drawn down, meaning taking money out of the accounts as income uh, until you're expected, uh, you know? passing age, right, for lack of a better term. But one of the the things that has a very, very big impact and can be very instrumental as far as building wealth and building assets is not only contributing what your annual contribution or how much you put into your investment accounts every year, uh, but also the earlier you do it, the better. I can tell you that I've I've, uh, been an adjunct professor and, and instructor at a local uh, university and college here, and I did this with a group of really 18 or 19 year olds. And I showed them if you know, if, even if you started earning like $15 an hour, and you started contributing 15% a year at age 18, well, you know, maybe some people are, will do it, maybe some won't. But the point is that the the earlier and the more disciplined you are to it, the bigger impact it can make. But surprisingly, though. Even someone who, let's say, and we'll use a nice round number of 50, even someone who's 50 years old, um, there is a substantial difference between contributing, let's say, 5% annually, 10% or 15% annually. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, Let's say someone 50 years old had $100,000. Okay, And what you're going to do is you're going to make some assumptions, right? You're going to assume that you earn about 7%, and, and this is all hypothetical, right? 7% pre-retirement, 6% post-retirement. And you know, you're know you putting these percentages away. Well, I'll give you a couple quick numbers. Uh, the quick math says that if you only put in 5% and you retired at 65, you'd be out of money about 74. At 10% annualized uh, or 10% annual contribution, So that's 10% of your salary every year put into savings, investments, right? Put into investment accounts. Uh, Well, then your money lasts until, I don't know, roughly 77, 78. But at 15%, the money lasts until 82. Still not to, let's say, all the way to 85, if that's what you've picked. But there is a substantial difference, not only in how long it lasts, but also the balance at retirement and you know, at 5%, based upon those assumptions, uh, to 15%, it could be the difference of a couple hundred thousand dollars. And so contributions matter, contributing early, uh, doing it on a disciplined basis. And folks, I mean, one of the things that I, I tell people is, especially those of you working for corporations that get a nice matching component to their 401k contribution, It might be easier than you think to get to that 15% level, especially considering that uh, that is pre-tax money, meaning that if you had that into your paycheck and you didn't put that into a 401k, uh, you would get taxed on that money. Uh, Most of the 401k plans, you're able to put that money in and that is pre-tax money, so it's not taxed. And so you're actually giving up less than you think. Now, if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, there are things like SEP IRAs and other types of vehicles. you uh, might be able to, uh, to get a, a pre-tax contribution there as well. But certainly, contributions matter. They matter a lot. And even if you start to up your contributions later on, Uh, it's still going to make a difference. Um, It's still going to be a major thing in the component. Now, when we think about uh, inflation, so what is inflation? Well, inflation really is just the amount or the change. uh, Let's call it the percent change. And all of the goods and things that you buy uh, to maintain a lifestyle, if it costs you X one year and it goes up 2%, the next year we would say, well, inflation was 2% it's not that simple. There's The way, the way it's sort of uh, calculated is based upon the quote-unquote basket of goods. Uh, the thing is, though, um, inflation matters because one of the things that you're going to have to figure out at some point is, let's say your, your salary was, uh, again, using nice round numbers, $100,000. And you say, OK, first year of retirement, I need at least, uh, I don't know, $65,000 in income drawn down from my account. So you would say, okay, I need about 65% of my last annual salary. And the thing is, though, that 65000 is year one because let's say inflation goes up 10%. And let's hope that doesn't happen. That hasn't happened since the late 70s, early 80s. But if inflation was going up 10%, well, if you need $65,000 in the first year of retirement, uh, if inflation uh, sees prices move up by 10%, well, now everything, uh, your needs, everything's going to go up by 10%. So you're going to need an extra 6500 10% or $65,000 uh, in the next year. And so the point is that inflation means that every additional year in retirement, your cost may go up. And so you're going to need to draw more potentially from your investment accounts. And so inflation matters because if we think about and I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh you know, let's say 75,000 is is the number that you pick and say okay, in year 1 I need $75,000. Well, if you're looking and saying uh if inflation is only I oh, don't know, pretty Pretty low, one and a half percent. In fact, since two thousand eight, we we haven't seen much inflation. Although it has picked up recently, we would say that uh, let's say by oh I don't know if you retire at sixty five and at age seventy eight, uh, you know you're going to need roughly ninety thousand based upon one percent, one and a half percent annual year over year inflation jumping. But if inflation jumped at three and a half percent a year. Uh, which again hasn't happened in quite some time, at 78, well, then you need roughly about 115,000 or so, back of the napkin calculations, right? So the way that inflation matters is that when you're trying to estimate what you'll need the first year in retirement to withdraw from those accumulated asset bases, uh, you're trying to figure out how much will my cost rise. Now, There is an interesting thing, and a lot of people will point to Social Security and say, well, I'll get Social Security, uh, which really is not meant to cover all of your expenses. It should be more of a supplement. And they'll say, well, doesn't Social Security have a cost of living adjustment, uh, also called a COLA? Well, people ask that question, they're absolutely correct. In fact, there's an annual... Uh, figuring that goes on by the Social Security Administration, and they they actually say, okay, uh, we look at the consumer price index. I believe it's all, all urban consumers, and they say, here's the basket of goods. It was this price one year. It was this price the next year, and then this is how we'll do the inflation adjustment. The challenge, though, is think about how as you get older and into retirement how your expense basket changes. You're probably spending less on textbooks and more on healthcare And so the challenge with that is, and there's been some articles written on on the loss of buying power uh, with how they do the the cost of living adjustment, but uh, some retirees may need more than they think because their own personal basket of goods might be being inflated at a higher rate Especially when you think about healthcare, so retirement is uh, or inflation in retirement is certainly a a big thing to take a look at, and it matters because it matters of how much money every year you're going to need in income, and it also matters because you're going to see the rate of increase in the cost of your goods. Higher inflation means that your annual income distribution or the annual income that you need goes up. If you can't do it then you may have to reduce your lifestyle, uh, cut back, or do some other things. Uh, and so again, you know, we're just going through some of the aspects that make up these, uh, these assumptions and these hypotheticals. This isn't meant to be a, you know, a grand overview of your own investment um, plan or, or whether or not the right strategies are there. These are things that when you're filling out those forms online, uh, folks, it's all math it's all math it's just assumptions and it spits out uh, what it spits out so but inflation is certainly a big part of it now the other thing that really matters a great deal is the return on investment meaning what's the annualized return on the investments that you have and what are you getting you know year over year both pre-retirement and post-retirement and so this is a this is a big deal to people because it can really change uh, how much the asset base is. And so the challenge with most of these these tools that you see, and maybe they're free, or maybe somebody ran it for you, is just pick our hypothetical numbers where we said, okay, you know, 7% pre and 6% post. Why is 7 and 6? It's just it's an assumption, right? Well, there is a big difference between, let's say, making 7% each and every year, as opposed to making 7% for 10 years, then losing 35%, and then making 7% again. And so it's, it's one of the things to, uh, to keep in mind when you're putting those in. Um, it is an assumption that, that the returns are rather smooth. And we know not all returns are smooth. The reality is that over the course using historical numbers, and of course past performance is no guarantee of future success, uh, although a lot of people use past performance numbers, to try and predict uh, how much an asset you'll have when you can retire, how much the money will last to, uh, those things are only uh, estimates based upon what happened in the past. But to give you an idea of how powerful some of the return uh, things could be. If let's say, oh, I don't know, we use some numbers. Remember our initial thing? We said, oh, you know, you have about a, you make about hundred thousand dollars, and uh, you, you're 50. You want to retire in 15 years at 65. Well, just to sort of uh, you know put a little bit of a, um, a picture on this. If your pre-retirement returns were five percent, your post was three uh, percent. You retire at sixty-five in ten years, based upon this model, you're, you're pretty much out of money, right? Um, at, based upon the assumptions only, right? But then, if if you're able to get something like a seven and six, you know the assets last pretty far. Uh, if you're able to get you know ten and six, then you know based upon that, if uh, if you, if you die at 85 there's still money in in the in the till so to speak so when we think about contributions to investments and we think about the return on investment that really matters but another thing that that really matters and, and not all programs do this um, something that I always talk to with people is you know what would happen if you had a year like 2008 again what would that mean to delaying retirement or the lifestyle that you're able to have? in retirement. And so I think it's important to sometimes stress test some of these and then to take a look and say, are there strategies that would help to to lessen uh, with the goal of lessening uh, that type of drawdown? These are really, really important things to, to think about. But certainly the return and the contributions are are major things. When I when I say the drawdowns, just to kind of paint a picture on this, You know, if you lose 10% in order to get back to break even, you would need roughly 11%. And so essentially the same thing. You lose 10%, you essentially need another 10%, give or take a percent, right? 11% to get to break even. If you lost 5%, you basically need 5% to get to break even. But here's the thing. You know, in 2008, the markets were down. Oh, at one point over 55%. 5%-ish um, on the S&P 500. Remember, it closed down for the year and then, of course, opened uh, and went down again uh, into March of 09. But if you lost 50% on your investments, you would actually need 100% to get back to break even. Imagine this. OK, you have $100,000, a million dollars, whatever it is, you lose 50%. So your million goes to 500000 To get back to a million, you need 100% return. And so I bring that up because um, it's important to think about not only the assets that you have, but what type of risk management is in place on the investment side. Uh, and these are things that are, that will be important to uh, to discuss. Certainly, you know the other things that that sort of matter. Uh, and I joked around as you know, picking your your aspir- aspirational retirement date, and you know, it's th- arbitrary thing. Like who knows what age you're going to live to? You're sort of trying to figure out will the money last if I live long enough will it last uh, maybe I want to have you know extra money that way I can give it to people will it to people donate it whatever it is and so this is all about assumptions but it goes back to the central point of many of you are probably asking yourselves am I where I sh- should be do I have enough how do I even start to to bring this all in um, We've only talked about some of the basic inputs, certainly. Um, there's a lot more that goes into this. Uh, think about uh, your house. Now, your house, we didn't really talk about as part of your investments. But building equity in a house is also a way of, of generating wealth. Uh, your primary residence, you're paying a mortgage. At some, you know, If you want to figure out what your equity is, you take your home price minus the debit balance on the mortgage. But one of the things that you have to figure out Is okay. uh, How do you even make some assumptions based upon uh, where you think the price of the the home will be? And of course, real estate is less liquid than uh, something like a stock, which has a a liquid market, has a bid and an ask. Who knows where real estate's going to be in however many years you predict that you want to sell the asset and retire? You don't know what the type of market it is. Uh, But you can make some assumptions based upon what you think the growth will be. And then you can also look at the tables and figure out uh, based upon your payments, what would the debit balance be at that time and try and make some estimates? And the other thing is, will you sell the house? Will you downsize? Will you sell the house and then rent? Uh, all of these things sort of uh, come into play. A couple of things I want to mention. One is the idea of I mentioned the straight line. Remember I said, you know if we assume hypothetically right, we pull that 7% annualized return. And we're going to put that in in the calculations. Well, sometimes you see what's called Monte Carlo Monte Carlo simulations, and really, what that does, it tries to put a probability of of what's the probability based upon historical um, asset class performance of what's the probability that that's what you'll actually earn, and then it sort of simulates runs. I don't know a thousand simulations, and it tries to figure out. With some confidence, uh, what's the likelihood or the probability that you'll actually get to the finish line? So some programs do that. Um, and other programs may or may not actually you know, put a random, let's say, five years before retirement. What if we have a really big drawdown? Um, the, the other thing I would say is that uh, a couple quick things here. We talked about inflation. One of the things you have to be careful of is, You know, let's say you put in 3% inflation as your expectation. Okay, Uh, So that's the annualized increase in the the basket of goods that you have. But a lot of programs actually do two things with that number. Number one is they assume that prices uh, will go up 3% a year using that 3% hypothetical. You can use 2%. You can use any number you want. Uh, But the other thing that sometimes a program does, it uses that number in two ways. It does it prices but it also assumes you're getting a 3% raise every year if you're using 3%. And so your final salary, assuming you know 3% compounding on your salary, can sort of inflate the salary. And, and be careful with that. Because as we know, over the last 10 years, uh, we haven't seen that much wage growth. And wage growth and inflation can be two different things. And so depending upon what you're using. What I would say also is, you know, a lot of times people come to me and, and they want to run through this and they have questions on it. Uh, I think it's always helpful to, to sit down with someone and just go through a little bit more about your situation and what your goals are and what you think that you'll need. And by doing that, you can sort of really think about things that maybe you didn't think of, like uh, college, uh, paying for college or uh, lump sum one-time Uh, gains that you'll have, or stock options, when are they vested, Uh, how Social Security changes, what you think expenses will be. Like I said, we'll probably do another episode where we focus on how you can build your personal net worth profile and how you can actually come up with your expenses. But based upon, I know a lot of people are out there trying to figure this out, how do you use these things? What assumptions should I make? And so I wanted to touch upon a number of these things in the episode. And uh, at, by all means, if anyone has questions, please feel to reach out to me. Uh, www.razorwealth.com is the website. And I'd be happy to go through your personal situation with you. Until next time, this has been Derek Moore in the Broken Pie Chart podcast. I look forward to our next episode, and we'll talk to you soon.